is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker and a career and executive coach. And today, I'm delighted to welcome the dynamic duo of Sheila Subramanian and Helen Cup to the show. Sheila and Helen will talk about how this is an unprecedented opportunity to rethink the way we work long-term and reveal the path forward for successful leaders lies in unlocking the power of flexible work. Ladies, I am so excited to talk about you, you this with you today because it is a hot topic. But, you know, we were chatting before the show started and we want to really just say to this global audience that these are difficult times that we're living in, whether it is the war in Ukraine or the tragedy that we experienced in the United States recently with a school shooting in Texas. And I I thank you for bringing your A-game to the show today because these are heavy, heavy times. Sheila and Helen, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. And, and thank you for acknowledging the pain that many of us are experiencing today. Absolutely. With that in mind, let's talk about How the Future Works, which is your incredible new book. And, you know, a few months ago, I think I might have said with um, with caution, but optimism that, gosh, we're, we're heading into the post-pandemic era. But but COVID is sort of rearing its head again, and we, we may be flipping back to different times. But the pandemic journey has certainly impacted how people want to work. So I'm going to start there and ask you both, tell us about how flexible work has been impacted with the pandemic. And Sheila, maybe you can get us started. Yes. So what we saw uh, two years ago was that organizations, leaders made changes bigger than they ever thought were possible. And what we've seen over the last two years is that people want more choice in how they work. And that's when we talk about flexibility. Flexibility is not just about where you work, it's also about when you work. And what we're seeing from our research from Future Forum, which is a consortium that's backed by Slack, is that people want more of a say of how they're working day to day and they want more trust from their leaders. And so the objective of us writing How the Future Works is to give leaders a guide, a how-to, to make flexible work, to leading with, make leading with trust accessible and implemented within their organizations. Thank you. That's so helpful, Sheila. And Helen, I'd love to hear some, some more about this from you, because the research that you've done with Future Forum is really extraordinary. And we're seeing a lot of conflict now as organizations are starting to encourage or require employees to come back to work after they had remote working during the pandemic. And it's, it's causing some folks to leave and look for other opportunities. But I, I appreciate what Sheila just said. Look, it's not just about where we're working, but the time. So tell, tell us more. Yeah, um, it's, it's exactly what Sheila pointed to. Um, so we, over the last two years, we've been conducting this future forum research on a quarterly basis of over 10,000 knowledge workers around the world. And that consistent thing that we've found is that, yes, Flexibility in where you're working from, location, is important, and over three quarters of people want that. 
but almost everyone wants schedule flexibility. And that's because if you think about it, no one really wants to be in back-to-back meetings nine to five every single day, right? I have kids I want to drop off at daycare or pick up. There might be doctor's appointment. There might be, you know, um, I want to go for a run in the middle of the in the middle of the afternoon without having to report back and say, "Hey, I need time off to do you know this one thing." I want my leaders to trust me and the rest of my team that I'm making choices to drive towards the outcomes um, for you know our team and our organization, not to be micromanaging my time. Um, and that's a big, big thing that we're seeing across our work around flexibility. So Helen, I'm going to stick with you for a bit. Why are the executives and the employees not on the same page? Because it it, it seems like there's a real disconnect there. And, and I, I'm seeing it in my coaching practice. I'm seeing it in my organization. So how are we going to come to a compromise? It, it starts from listening to your employees, understanding what they're looking for from flexible work, being open and vulnerable to experimenting and recognizing that we haven't gotten this all figured out yet. But you're right, there is this disconnect and this disconnect is widening. I think in our last wave of research, we saw that you know, over the over the course of the time that we've been surveying knowledge workers, um, more people than ever are being asked to return to the office. I think it was a, about a third um, that are back full time in the office. But that's not true of our executives. Actually, executives yeah. are calling people back, but less than less than twenty percent of executives are back in the office full time, and so. You can see that there's not only a disconnect in preferences, but there's a disconnect in experiences and actions across the data. Yeah, there, there clearly isn't equity there, right? And it, and it seems disingenuous coming from many executives calling people back when, when they're not there. So ladies, I have an interesting thought, right? In the world of manufacturing, shift work is common, Three shifts, three eight-hour opportunities. And I, I often think about people that are morning people, right? They're really spot on. Their brain is sharp in the morning. Then we've got the night owls, and that's where they shine. Why can't we shift the world of work and think about those shifts for the non-manufacturing sector, especially if you're not seeing clients and you're doing independent work, or you might even be working internationally with people where the time zones would match better? Have you seen that in your research? Yeah, what we've seen in talking to executives is in the need for um, for time flexibility or schedule flexibility, the question is, well, when are we going to get together and collaborate? And what we've uncovered from these conversations is something called core working hours, so core team working hours. And core team working hours are um, hours within a specific day where you come together to discuss critical topics, debate make critical decisions as well. But outside of those core working hours, you can work when works best for you. I am a fellow night owl here. I work best between the hours of 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. And so oftentimes I do my focused work, my writing during that time. But for our future forum team, our core team working hours are meant to accommodate different time zones. 
So currently it's Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. Pacific to 1 p.m. Pacific. And we have Fridays allocated for focus work. We don't have meetings on Fridays. And the objective of core team working hours is to basically embrace the nonlinear workday, enable people to pick up their kids from school, as Helen mentioned, or take that run and be effective team members as you're expected to collaborate during specific hours. And so I think that there's many opportunities to take that shift model and apply them. And one thing that we write about the book in the book is um, something called team level agreements, a place where teams can codify their norms, their expectations, how they communicate, their working hours. So using team level agreements to set specific guidelines and guardrails for teams, and as a result, set expectations on how and when they work. Oh, I was going to add, um, you've kind of got the full spectrum here across the Future Forum team between myself and Sheila. Uh, Sheila's a night owl, like she said, and I do my best work very, very early in the morning. And I'm, I'm basically a blob by the end of the day. There you go. So that's a beautiful experience just to say, look, you got, you got to balance what works for you. But I love this team level agreement because it doesn't mean the whole organization needs to be on the same rhythm, the same uh, schedule, right? Think about it on a granular level at the team level. Yes. And, and what we saw prior to the pandemic was that we expected work to be one size fits all. And it only benefited a select few. And now there's an opportunity to make work more inclusive for all types of people. But in order to do so, you need to empower your managers, your team leaders, to figure out what works best for their teams, rather than leaders imposing top-down mandates for an entire organization. We're seeing today that that's not necessarily working because the work of a marketing marketer is very different from the work of an engineer. So let's embrace that and figure out what actually works best for each of those teams and create the agreements against that. I love it. Let's be adaptive and customize based on the team. Yeah. So I, the thing I would add to team level agreements and how to think about, you know, flexible work more generally is that um, it's, it's not just a, there's no one size fits all. It's an opportunity to evolve and change your team norms as you know, things change across your team. Um, I think we revisited our core work hours recently when we had new folks join the team. Um, I can imagine, and I've, I've seen teams that go through different phases of work, like if they're at the beginning of a project and they're planning versus they're in execution mode, have you know different needs from work hours or you know what makes sense for them to collaborate. And so that that evolution, that ability to be agile, to change, I think is a really interesting and neat outcome of you know flexibility and making that work. Sheila and Helen will be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to know more about. We want this podcast to serve all of your working life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedowdhiggins.com. I love 
your nod to being flexible and being innovative. I mean, we want our technology to be cutting edge and innovated. So the way that we work should be as well. I'd like for for one of you to take a stab at busting the conventional wisdom around flexible worth because work, there are myths out there like flexible work negatively impacts productivity and that's absolutely false. So I'll let you two decide who wants to take a stab at this because I think it's going to be eye-opening for many. There's a lot of mythology around the office. Um, I think the first, you know, one that we came across early in our Future Forum research from executives was you can't innovate if you don't get people back together in a room to brainstorm. Um, and that that we definitely busted um, a, by looking at uh, a specific data itself around creativity and innovation. And one of the things that we found was that um, actually location and you know where you are relative to your team has no bearing on how creative you can be together. The thing that actually matters is whether or not you feel like you can take risk uh, and make mistakes with your team. So psychological safety is what actually allows you to have more creative and innovative um, ideas across a team. And I can tell you from just anecdotally as an introvert, um, brainstorming live on a whiteboard with a group of people is not the best way that I generate ideas. It's actually, um, it's high stress and uncomfortable. And one thing that we have found in making, you know, core work hours and flexible work and this idea of a non-linear workday possible is rethinking some conventions like brainstorming live. So how do you take a part of that um, process and say, let's do this asynchronously. Let's jot down ideas offline and spend a shorter amount of time together debating those ideas and sharing that in advance. And that way you can get more voices included in the discussion. And so um, that's one of the big mythologies that we've seen in, you know, the early days of flexible work that's definitely been busted with not just recent data, but decades of data around brainstorming. Yeah, I, I totally agree, Helen. And as someone who also does not like brainstorming, um, brainwriting has been a great way to promote more inclusive practices and bust those myths around how work should work. Um, I think in addition, so much of performance management in the past has been around activity. And by activity, I mean that person is the first in, the last to leave. They're the hardest worker. We need to promote them. Or this person responds to my email or my message within seconds. They must be super engaged. And it's really critical as we uh, embrace more variations of flexible work that we shift how we measure performance. And the reason why is something called proximity bias. Proximity bias is a favoritism towards someone who's located nearby, or in this case, in the office. And what we're seeing is that 41% of executives actually cite proximity bias as a top concern when it comes to flexible work. The reason why this matters is because the people who want flexibility work, flexible work, excuse me, tend to be women, they tend to be caregivers, um, they tend to be non-executives, and as well as employees of color. And those who tend to want to go back in the office full-time tend to be white, 
executives, and male. And we've seen a lot of gains over the last two years when it comes to sense of belonging and improved relationships with coworkers, especially when it comes to the experience of employees of color. And proximity bias runs the risk of erasing those gains. So it's critical for leaders to look at the outcomes, the impact that people are producing in their work, rather than promoting people based on the number of days that they're spending in the office or the fact that they're working around the clock. Wow, that is fascinating. Proximity bias. I am seeing it in action in uh, many organizations. I want to talk about the hazard of the always-on nature of remote work. Because as a coach, I saw loud and clearly, and and I'll be vulnerable and tell you, I experienced it myself, the burnout of, Mm -hmm. wow, I've I've got to prove my value because we're remote, and I want to make sure they understand that I'm working and that I'm productive. And I was working way more than I should have and way more than was healthy, and I was less productive because of that. So is that a thing? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, Sheila pointed to this earlier, but a big part of making flexible work successful is reskilling your managers. I think that thinking around, I need to be on all the time, or I need to respond immediately to this message so that you know that I'm working and not taking a run outside, um, is, is from that you know, traditional way of how we thought about performance management um, and how managers used to think about, you know, or you, is traditionally coached on thinking about uh, managing their teams via tracking uh, or counting hours. Um, but flexibility requires trust, right? Um, and it's a, it's a new set of requirements that we need from moving their focus from task tracking or clock watching, um, things that are just not grounded in trusting the people that you've hired, to focusing on three main things for managers, really inspiring trust, creating clarity, especially around roles, responsibilities, and outcomes, and unlocking potential within their teams. And you do that when you shift from that measuring of, you know, hours logged or activities to really focusing on measuring outcomes and success. So I agree with Helen. And so much of this also comes down to how leaders are leading. Um, and, you know, there's, there's reskilling managers, but it's also setting the tone from the top. If you as an executive are responding to emails at midnight or 1 a.m. or um, you're essentially showing that you're working around the clock, others will follow. As, a, as the guardrails you're, you're setting as a leader, it's really critical that, that leaders also just set that tone. They lead by example. And they also show that it's okay to take breaks. Um, one thing that we encourage our leaders to do at Slack is to use your status messages in the actual product to show that you're not working around the clock. Um, early in the pandemic, I used those status messages to show teams that it was okay to spend time with your kids. And my status messages tended to be more fun, like spending the afternoon chasing rainbows or searching for butterflies. And the intent there was that it was a really difficult time early in the pandemic. People were trying to figure out how to balance work and family and caregiving and the fear that surrounded the pandemic. And uh, the intent was to ultimately say, it's okay, I'm signaling it's okay if you're taking time for yourself, for your family, outside of your core work hours, because your health 
is the most important thing at this point. And you know what I love about that, Sheila? That vulnerability to say, hey, I'm, I'm chasing butterflies and I'm spending time with my kids probably gave so many of your coworkers this wonderful sigh of relief to say, it's okay if I do that too. So well done. I received notes of appreciation uh, saying, thanks for, thanks for conveying that it's okay. And that encouraged me to do it more because it, it just it showed that vulnerability is what people want right now. And and they want to have that psychological safety, to Helen's point earlier, to do the same. So besides reading the incredible book that I'm going to talk about in just a second about how we can buy your book and your and give a nod to your co-author, what about the organizations that just aren't budging, that say, everybody back, nine to five, eight to five, whatever that, that day looks like, who are resisting change? What's going to happen with those organizations? You know, we see that, um, but the 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 thing that comes up consistently in our research and in our conversations is that if you if you want to retain and attract the best people top talent you're going to need to provide flexibility right um we saw that people without flex- the ability to get, set their own schedule or have flexible hours are nearly three times as likely to look for a new job within the next year. And and we're talking about, you know, the your best talent who often have more choices. Bottom line. Yeah. So ladies, as we wrap, what's what's one piece of wisdom each of you would give to this global listening audience? You know, maybe it's a leader and maybe it's a, a staffer who's saying, gosh, I need flexible work, but my boss just doesn't get it. And maybe it's a, a, a leader who's saying, where do I start? You know, we, we started this conversation uh, acknowledging the era of discontinuity that we're in. And I'm really glad that we, we did that because it's very critical for leaders to realize that being transparent is a now a core part of their job. And being transparent is saying, I don't know, I need your help, or even in times like these, I'm struggling, I need to take a break. And uh, I, the reason why transparency matters is because what we see from our research is that employees who don't feel like their leaders are being transparent are four times more likely to look for a new opportunity in the next year. So my advice to leaders is to build that muscle around being transparent and communicating with your employees, but also building two-way transparency. Listen to what your employees have to say. Get their feedback. Say, I need your help and actually get their help. Uh, Because what we're seeing from our data is that two-thirds of leaders are not asking for help. They're not including their broader employee base into future of work planning. So moving forward, my recommendation is Bring in people from across your organization, whether it's across functions, levels, backgrounds, or even geographic locations. Hear what they have to say and craft your principles, your guardrails around that versus what you feel is best for your company amongst your executive team. Helen, anything to add? I would just add to that and say, um, you know, flexible work, it in hybrid and and all of the, the terms that we put around it, it sounds like it's new, like net new. But we we have had the opportunity over the last two years plus to experiment and find different ways of working that have worked better 
for teams and organizations. And so part of that listening journey is also looking around and saying, what has worked? What hasn't worked? Because um, you'll find in a lot of scenarios, you're not starting from zero, um, that there are you know, teams or best practices that are, are being utilized and shared now. And that's a great place to start. Wow. Helen Cup, Sheila Subramanian, I learned so much from you. I thank you both. I want to give a shout out to your co-author, Brian Elliott, who could not be with us today, but he is with us in spirit. And I want to tell this global audience how they can buy your incredible book. It's called How the Future Works, leading flexible teams to do the best work of their lives. And of course, it is available on Amazon and all major book retailers. But again, before the show, we were all saying how we love to support uh, shopping local and our local bookstores. The book is also available in an audio version and an e-version. Sheila, Helen, thank you so much for this important work. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. And even better, leave a review because this helps new listeners find us online. And a special thanks to my podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening. <laughs>